Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Quick, but let's get into this with some questions today, fellow conspiracy realists. Have you yourself ever witnessed injustice? Have you ever, regrettably, seen the law fumble the ball of what is right and good? And if so, how far would things have to escalate before you decided to take matters into your own hands? These are questions we're tackling today, and uh, perhaps... Most importantly, at the very top here, I have to establish this episode may not be appropriate for all listeners as it contains at times graphic descriptions of violence. But here are the facts. In an earlier episode, episodes, in fact, we've established a long history of drug cartels and gang activity throughout Latin America. And in many cases, these organizations have essentially... (laughs) 
almost replaced uh, official authorities, become this almost kind of like extra military, extra governmental force, um, imposing their own sort of lawless uh, rule of law, or at the very least, paying off officials to the point of rendering them completely toothless. Uh, it's very often very scary place to live if you're not playing ball with these cartels. And this can happen for several reasons, due to corruption, threats, uh, shows of force, you know, um, making examples out of anyone who dare not play ball with the cartels and brutal uh, displays of horrific violence. Uh, but almost always, um, it, it is one or all of these three things. And, and we also established that these organizations can function in a lot of different ways, not just some kind of lawless entity, or at least maybe that's a, a, a portion of it or a, a segment of it. The other parts often can provide things that a government cannot or will not like everything from education and uh, organizational education systems to like positive things for a community, which is, it's a very weird thing to wrap your head around though. That is not always the case. Sure. Yeah. And we see this in other organized criminal enterprises around the world. Uh, The mafia has provided disaster assistance before, as has the Yakuza. Of course, uh, you know, you can make a pretty valid argument that in many cases, those positive actions are kind of a PR push. I mean, they, they help people for sure in the short term, but they also uh, inculcate uh, the criminal element further into the community. It it entrenches deeper and deeper, and often there is a profit motive there. You know what I mean? There are always strings attached. Uh, Look, it's also, even if something isn't at that level, if it's not quite an organization that's reached, you know, cartel as corporation level, there are certain areas or neighborhoods where the police simply will not go. Now, in the U.S., it's not uncommon for there to be parts of a parts of a city or a town where police response is typically going to be less reliable. Right? That's a common complaint, uh, but it may surprise people who haven't traveled to different parts of the world that there are there are some places that pretty much do not have rule of law unless there's a show of force level uh, situation. Like uh, like before the Pope visits Brazil, having the militarized police roll through the favelas and just go to town, cleaning the place out. Uh, we also see that, to your point, Matt, there are, there are, look, there are, there are just really dangerous parts of the world. And um, in many, and this is not a ding against the people living there. Actually, most people are really, really nice. <laughs> but if you, if you travel, what you'll see is that often there are also places where law enforcement seems uninterested in helping you or unable to help uh, protect civilians. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure many of us listening have a story about this low level graft, right? Sometimes, you know, it's often been said the police can be their own kind of gang. That'll be interesting for today because uh, I, I've been in different countries, um, in Central America specifically, where bribery is not uncommon. 
And if you make a stink about it, then you're just going to make it worse. Who are you going to like a, a police officer ask you for a bribe, right? Who, who are you going to report them to the police? Right. That doesn't work in every country. Newsflash. And if if you're someone who can check corrupt law enforcement for stuff like that, then odds are you're already a fairly powerful individual, which means the police in some cases may already work for you. You know, you're just bribing them a different way. So with all this together, we see a, a mix, a sinister, dangerous mix of this stuff in the Central American nation of El Salvador. Um, if anybody has been to El Salvador, then, you know, one of the first things to say about it before we talk about the story is that it is a beautiful, it's a physically beautiful place. Uh, it's been called the land of smiles, uh, and it's been through a lot of terrible things in recent decades. Yeah, in particular, the the civil war that occurred there and lasted for 12 years. Uh, it started in 1979, continued till 1992. So not that long ago when a massive civil war occurred there. Uh, and, you know, it as a civil war, there were a ton of casualties, 75,000, I think it's estimated, people who died during the civil war. That's both combatants and non-combatants. And on top of that 75,000, there's another 8,000 that the UN estimates, or it's a, that number is an estimate from the UN. They estimate those people just disappeared. So 8,000 people that just vanished, which we can imagine uh, what happened to them. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of, like, many, many people fled the insanity. And that plays another big part in the story. We're laying groundwork. These were terrifying days, okay? There's no other way around it. Child soldiers, uh, mass torture, mass murder, sexual assault, you name it. Uh, looking back, estimates landed on some, some ballpark numbers. So this is a war between... Um, a series of groups. The resistance would be probably best known as FMLN, the Ferrobundo Marti National Liberation Front. They apparently committed an estimated 5% of the murders against civilians. And the Salvadoran armed forces and paramilitary death squads were responsible for uh, at least another 85%. The other 10% remains unknown today. That's a sense of perspective. We're not choosing good guys or bad guys here, um, even though I do think uh, some of the responsibility for these actions lays at the door of the U.S. And it'll also be important to remember this. So this mass exodus, uh, you know, it's not as if, uh, for, for much of the war, it's not as if a family in El Salvador could just go to Guatemala, an adjacent country, because around the same time, Guatemala is in the midst of a civil war, one that doesn't end until 1996. So many people did whatever necessary to escape the chaos and try to protect their loved ones. And a lot of them ended up in the United States, in Los Angeles in particular. The descendants of some of these families would go on to form street gangs for their own protection. And uh, these would 
evolve into groups like MS-13. Then there's also 18th Street, uh, sometimes called like Calle 18 or Barrio 18. Uh, these groups have become bitter rivals. I do want to point out uh, one thing that sometimes gets missed when talking about uh, Mara Salvaturtas or MS-13 is that they started out as just a bunch of kids who liked heavy metal music and getting high together and just smoked weed and hung out. And, it, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the things that happened that played a role in the evolution of this group uh, were thrust upon them by the hostile environment of, um, of Los Angeles, which has always been uh, pretty brutal to the disadvantaged. Yeah. Well, think about that. You, you've got this max mass exodus from El Salvador. A lot of these people who are showing up are young men who uh, can't, are not allowed to get a job unless you go through this arduous process, and then you can only get a job for a certain amount of time. Maybe they don't have the skills they need to get the jobs that are available. These guys faced, as you said, Ben, the problems that already existed in Los Angeles uh, when it comes to the economy and uh, just the laws that they were subject to now being in the United States. Yeah, and also, they're, this is not a pop reference. They're also the new kids on the block. They're going into areas where there is some existing gang activity, right? And they're going into those areas as the other, right? Uh, it's not. It's not as if they're. Uh, and this. This is a shame. But it's a reality. It's not as if you, as a uh, kid from El Salvador, going into a neighborhood that is largely Mexican. It's not as if you are necessarily going to be welcomed with open arms as one of the in-group. You will be seen as coming from afar. And a lot of, there, there are tons of uh, really powerful and really effective uh, nonprofit groups that have, have fought against uh, the structural weaknesses that help create gangs and have fought to unify society in a, in a more productive way. But this doesn't stop the development of these gangs we're talking about. Throughout the 1990s, MS-13 expands with the help of other prominent gangs, and they do gang stuff, you know? They go gangland. We're talking about protection rackets, extortion, you know, uh, gang crime, right? Like, everybody wants respect. No one's willing to give it. So, so people end up shooting each other. And you can see some documentaries that are pretty granular about what becomes the about the causes behind the great rivalry, which is MS-13 and the 18th Street gang. I, I just want to put out there also they 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 get into things that you know are it's the black markets, right? So since they can't operate legally, uh, the, the larger groups once once they have capital or money that they've made in some way, or they pool money and they have capital rather than being able to invest that money or put it into a business or anything like that, they have to just take that money and find a way to make more money out of it. So they, they, there's a, a necessity to resort to the black market sector, which are things like drug trafficking and sex work. Uh, and, and it's just, it's, it's so weird to look at it from that 40,000 foot view and see that it's, it was inevitable that that was going to happen unless there was some kind of program specifically designed or in place when you have a bunch of people coming in like that, um, like to, to help them almost get started on a pathway, right. a transition plan. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes sense. So, so one of the key things to remember, and you don't see it uh, when a lot of the, the, the current activities of groups like MS-13 are reported. One of the key things to remember is that in the beginning, this was a matter of self-preservation for these people. And then there's another thing that occurs. And this is all, there's a lot of history we're throwing at you, but I promise it matters. So the U.S. has cyclical immigration scares, right? And these immigration scares often occur when a politician wants to distract from another problem or when they need to kind of uh, whip up and foment some discord, give people something to be angry about. Uh, It's cynical, but it's true. And as crime is escalating, and as the Clinton administration is is looking for looking at the big picture political numbers, uh, they come up with this plan to deport a lot of these folks. If you get caught committing gang activity, and you know you've got the MS thirteen or the eighteen tattoos there, uh, then they will just escalate your deportation. So over. Um, it starts in the mid to late 1990s, and then it kind of continues. An estimated 20,000 criminals were deported back to Central American countries between 2000 and 2004. So thousands of people come back. In the case of El Salvador, many of them are returning to a country that has pretty recently survived the horrors of a civil war, right? The same one that their parents uh, fled. And now the infrastructure is trashed in many places. There aren't transition plans. There aren't job opportunities, things like that. So the, uh, these gang organizations continue what they were doing before. They take the lessons learned and they franchise out and they find no shortage of kids who are uh, good material to be recruited. Uh, MS-13 actually struggles a little bit because uh, Barrio 18, the 18th Street gang, is a little more open about membership. Like, it's okay if you are a different, um, if you have different racial characteristics or if you are from a different country, something like that. So uh, they tend, they start spreading throughout Central America. And MS-13 is spreading as well, just in a different way. And, you know, of course, El Salvador had a violence problem. It didn't disappear just because a war officially ended. I mean, I know history textbooks kind of paint it like that for a lot of students. Like you hear about the Emancipation Proclamation when you're in school in the U.S., but you don't read probably about the prison system that came right after. You probably don't read about the people who were uh, who had restricted information access, who didn't learn they were free until you know, years or decades later, the paperwork is nice and it's important, but it's not the same thing as the reality on the ground. So uh, for several decades, El Salvador has become and maintains the reputation of being the most violent country in the world that uh, wasn't currently officially at war. In fact, the U.S. State Department reported that El Salvador had the highest rates of homicide uh, up until 2018, and that's in the entire world, correct? Correct. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, whenever you hear these kind of numbers whipped out on a global scale, you have to ask for the source. Yeah, the U.S. State Department has some agendas of its own. 
but also the problems are are clear right there is not a war and this is the most violent place where there is not currently a war the streets become overrun in different areas by violent gangs that are ruling through murder torture widespread sexual crime and more and when we say ruling this way uh, you have to understand there are parts of like um part of our story takes place in San Miguel there are also parts of San Salvador where um people going to work like to get on the bus would pass a kid and they would have to give this kid the equivalent of a dollar not because the kid was a really great beggar he was the little tax man he's the lookout he's a trainee for 18th street or ms13 and if you don't give him that dollar then the people he works for will come ruin your life uh, and you also have to pay a protection racket unless you could pay for your own pretty top-notch bodyguards well think about how horrifying that situation is because it's not like that kid in that moment decides he's going to kill you for not you know paying the money to him that little kid goes and reports to somebody oh you know here's a list of the people that didn't pay me today right uh, or, you know, this is what, that's what, oh, that's the guy that didn't pay me and just pointing someone out, right? I mean, you just imagine like this is a child that is basically going to snitch on everybody for not paying and a gang is like, it may murder you for not paying or at least beat you up or may hurt someone close to you to get you to pay. Uh, and, and there may, I just, I'm imagining all the instances of mistaken identity in that system where you know you're just trusting one a child essentially to decide or figure out who's paid and who hasn't right honestly similar to the way authoritarian regimes uh, enlist children to spy on parents it's it's messed up so another group emerges amidst all this chaos and police and civilians and gangs alike start to recognize some signs it starts with warnings, graffiti, spray-painted places, things like gangs are assholes, and then the graffiti is near uh, scenes of violence, unattributed, and people don't recognize the signs yet, just yet. Uh, it starts near known gang-run areas, then the pamphlets come, and then sophisticated, brutal hits targeting gang members. This group which is anonymous, highly trained, and so far, officially at least, untraceable, had a message for MS-13 and the 18th Street gang alike. La Sombra Negra, the Black Shadow, has returned. We'll pause for a word from our sponsor and return ourselves. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire 
with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Here's where it gets crazy. La Sombra Negra. In English, the Black Shadow. This group has a history. They have a past. They first get mentioned in 1989, toward the close of the Civil War. Yeah, if you want to think about this group, imagine maybe ex-soldiers. Like uh, maybe that's that's a good way. It's not all they're not all ex-soldiers, but imagine an ex-soldier. Okay, and their identities are not proven. We got to say that. Yeah, exactly. Just imagine a highly trained individual, right, in the art of war and death. Uh, that That's the, an individual member of this group. But they are, when they operate, they don things like balaclavas, you know, uh, maybe some kind of armor, black clothing. They operate with military tactics, whether they're ex-military or not. Uh, they perform all kinds of surveillance, intense and sophisticated surveillance on the people that they are going to target. And I don't know, men, I just imagine them as a, a fully paramilitary group. Yeah. I mean, they have 
They have OPSEC. They also incorporate uh, incorporate gang tactics. Mm-hmm. So, so the people who are conducting operations on behalf of La Sombra are, they've definitely learned from somewhere, at least in my opinion. This all points to professional training. It's not just a bunch of civilians who got mad and took out, you know, pistols and shotguns and put on stocking caps. No, they're also using assault weapons. They're using stuff that the average resident of El Salvador would um, probably have a have a tough time getting, right, in an organized way. It's almost like they went to a school somewhere, Ben. Yeah, well, we'll, see. we'll, we'll get to it later. Yes, but yes, that's excellent foreshadowing. So, agreed, paramilitary. They seem to have been taught somewhere, which we'll get to. But second, why call it a death squad? Well, to to be honest, uh, it's called a death squad because from the jump, La Sombra has never really been out to just arrest people. And they're not exactly in the parking lot ticket game. Still, um, they are always targeting uh, new members. So for some civilians... As we had mentioned at the top of the show, this can be a very complicated proposition. Uh, By 1995, Sombra Negra had stated that it killed 17 individuals, all gang members or other criminals. So essentially vigilante action, um, which would appear to be unaccountable to anyone but other members of of this criminal organization, La Sombra. Uh, After a time, the organization took a step back uh, into the shadows and didn't come back out for uh, several years. Um, During that time, they quickly became, as far as anyone could tell, essentially just the top of the food chain, apex predator in the uh, criminal underworld of El Salvador. Yeah. It was quite a bit of time, wasn't it, Ben, when they were like gone or not active or they they at least weren't putting out their calling card if they were active. Right. And it's confusing because there were multiple, especially um, as gang violence escalates, uh, there were multiple death squads. And there were multiple death squads in the time of the Civil War. Uh, you will see reports of suspected or proven gang members being targeted by a number of groups and they may later claim responsibility or they may, you know, uh, Sombra style have like graffiti or some other indicator, but it looks like La Sombra Negra itself went, went away, got into the shadows. But again, because it's a bit of a black box, it is also possible that that group may have splintered, Right. They may have gone and done their own things. Uh, but anyway, every so often, this thing calling itself La Sombra Negra would reemerge, and authorities were more likely to believe these groups, these murderers or vigilantes, when they claimed to be La Sombra, because La Sombra had signature techniques which were also uh, have a bit of providence behind them. Uh, when, when, possible, when possible, they didn't really do super quick hits. Part of it was about sending a message. So if the opportunity was right, they would 
take their time. Like you said, Matt, they would case. Uh, they had pretty good surveillance. Uh, they were pretty good at maintaining anonymity. Balaclavas, uh, dark-windowed, unregistered, unmarked cars, you name it. And when they get their victims, and of course, these gang members have multiple victims of their own, right? Let's remember that. But when they got a hold of their victims, they would blindfold them and they might bind uh, their feet at the ankles. They would always tie either the hands or the thumbs uh, behind the person's back. Here you might ask, why tie the thumbs? If you're on YouTube, I'm doing this. It's like a very lazy Wu-Tang sign. Why, why tie the thumbs instead of just binding the hands at the wrist? Well, it's a little bit easier to do some stress positions and look at me panicking. Look at me trying to panic here. Look how my hands splay out. And that's eight different questions you can ask. And you can see what they're doing there when they're interrogating somebody that they've caught, right? What, what do you think they're getting out of that person? Probably information about their next uh, hit, right? Yeah. Yep. Or it may simply be retaliation because they have proof of something. Well, a scary thing to happen during an interrogation is for, or during a torture uh situation is for the torturer or interrogator to say, just so you know, I don't really care. I don't care what you're going to say. We have the information. The next couple of hours are just for us. Thanks for coming. Uh, that kind of stuff does happen, but this does look to be part interrogation, part torture. Yeah. They're gathering more intelligence, which is again is kind of a signature move, but this torture which you must stress has never been proven in a court of law. It's just evidenced on the bodies that have been found. This includes stuff like the removal of tongue, teeth, fingers, toes, hands, genitalia. Uh, and then the final move, the sign off, one of the sign off. Uh, it's not quite a calling card because uh, those are the messages they leave, but what the move they're known for that really identifies it to the authorities as La Sombra is something called the tiros de gracia, the shots of grace. So after this torture, the victim is shot in the base of a skull. And it's going to be pretty messy because they're using like M16s, using machine guns, assault rifles. Um, and it's you know quite believable at this point without having spoken to anyone who survived that because none of them did. It's quite believable at that point that it is seen as an act of mercy by the person who's finally getting this horror show ended. Well, and it's also a way to show like it was us, right? And that's not the only way they show it was us besides the torture and that final shot. They also uh, leave like written messages often on a wall nearby. And they say things from like ranging from just the name, La Sombra Negra, uh, something else about the shadow or often a very specific message about the person that's like derogatory, uh, calling that person, you know, stupid, idiotic, other, other things like that. Uh, what was it that you, you found a specific one, Ben? This idiot suffered a slow death. There are a couple of ways to interpret it. Maybe the, the body that that person was an idiot. 
because they were involved in, in a gang. You, oh, by the way, even at some point, if you're a reformed gang member, you still have the tattoos, uh, you're still in trouble, right? But uh, also, idiot could have just meant that they said, look, we'll kill you quickly if you tell us what we need to know. And they said, I'm not telling you anything. And then just made everybody's night a little longer. Oh, yeah. It's definitely reign of terror. Um, so where are they now? Where uh, have La Sombra gone? Uh, over the decades since the Civil War, um, they've made a few sporadic appearances, uh, almost uh, seeming to respond to specific gang activities or just to maintain their presence in the minds of their victims, uh, MS-13 and 18th Street. Um, don't want them to get too comfortable, right? And while many folks assumed uh, that they were working with the National Civil Police or PNC, there still were a few arrests uh, of La Sombra members. Um, and the United States uh, takes this view, um, saying, quote, in a statement, uh, in July 1995, 16 alleged members of the Sombra Negra were arrested in San Miguel, including four ranking PNC officers in that department. Uh, in November 1995, seven were set free, including two of the police officials, by a San Miguel court, which said there was a lack of evidence. In June 1996, six more were cleared of murder charges, including the other two police officials. The remaining three were tried and found innocent of murder in April 1997. Wow. So arrested. No one gets convicted eventually, despite this lack of convictions. Uh, the National Civil Police, the PNC, say, okay, the Black Shadow has been dismantled. Wink. Uh, and also we have to indicate, you know, there's, for for some locals, uh, the, the Black Shadow is tremendously popular. It's seen as doing what the police either can't or won't do, which is protect the public. Uh, and then, as we said in the years that follow after this, other anti-gang death squads uh, claim responsibility for various hits. They're not considered the work of La Sandra, but um, but maybe maybe there was a different name or different branding because of things like that court case. At least this is the lay of the land until 2014. It's when everything changed. We are going to pause for a word from our sponsors, and we'll return. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker 
retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. It's 2014. There are a couple of gang members together in in a suburb. And... There, it's seven of them, and they're not having a wild gangbanger night. They're not planning to maybe like do a hit. They're not engaged in some sort of trafficking thing. Get this, they got together for a movie night. It's seven seven gang members who are just at a house, and they decided, yeah, to have some bro time and watch a movie. When some unmarked cars are quietly rolling up. A group of armed men, masked up, dressed in black, armed with M16s, pops into the home and then instantly begins firing. Three escape. The four others are bound, beaten, and executed, ultimately with that shot of grace at the base of the skull. A few days later, the flyers returned as well. The message was clear. La Sombra was back. Yeah, and when they put those flyers out, it wasn't like, hey, look what we did. It was a, a list, or it included a list of other known gang members in the area. Like, it was a message, we're coming for you. Like, that's, that's, that's scary. Uh, that, that's really scary, and it's, it's purposefully that way. Yeah, in some cases I heard, so this tactic was applied multiple times. In some reports, uh, I had heard there would just be flyers posted 
that didn't say anything. It's just the list of names. And if you're, and you would know that these are gang members, if like you had lived in the community for a long time, or if you yourself were a gang member, but for everybody else, imagine you are walking somewhere, right? In your neighborhood. And you probably wouldn't clock it when you see the first flyer. And it's just a list of like 12 names, but then you see the second one, you know? And then you, you see a third one and you stop maybe on the third or fourth one to look. And it's, the, it's just the same. No explanation, just a list of names. And boom, your name's on that list. That's spooky, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and a lot of the people's names that were on the list were, were people who had gone to the United States or been in the United States following the Civil War and then were deported back to El Salvador. So it's some of the, uh, you'd think, and I, I can't confirm this and I couldn't, Ben, looking through it, but it seems to me that those are likely many of the early originators of maybe MS-13, at least within El Salvador, or at least early uh, influential members. Yeah, I mean, I think there are, I, I think it's targeting... I think, honestly, it could even go deeper than that because yeah. it, it appears to imply, not prove, but imply the existence of communication between La Sombra and the officials. Because, they, you know, if you are a normal person, a civilian, you're going to have a tough time getting a list of, here, getting a list that reads, here are, the people getting deported to this country now, they're coming to your town. Also, here are the ones that are specifically in gangs. And here's how we've documented that. It's proven. We've done the work. You don't usually get that. You don't get that info as a civilian. So uh, there, there are different accounts of people who had kind of reformed, right? But even if you're reformed and you get deported, you still have the tattoos, right? You are visibly a member of, uh, of the gang. Uh, one guy only escapes because he, he, one of his friends, a local in the community tells him like, Hey, they know you're here. Who? La Sombra Negra, which is, you know, often reported as the only group MS-13 and 18th Street Fear, and uh, you, you'll be given something like 48 hours to five days to GTFO. And it's pretty clear what happens if you stay, because they're saying they already know your location, right? And there are also cases of people getting, getting popped, getting off the bus, or after they, the plane lands, like not making it the full, not, not even making it home. Um, this this is real stuff and now there's you know another another important tactic there is that uh they also allegedly again not provably but allegedly took to social media through things like facebook pages and uh fairly recently uh twitter allegedly again yes massive emphasis on allegedly uh we we looked through some of those feeds just to see and who knows we there's no way to tell if it's if it's real or not, or at least if it, the person or persons posting are actually in La Sombra Negra. Right. And, and then another evolution is occurring here because just like the criminals they're tracking, 
La Sombra is spreading across borders from El Salvador uh, and the capital, San Salvador, to Honduras and Guatemala, which are, you know, adjacent bordering countries. So they're bleeding over into the border to find these people. It reminds me of the idea, um, and this is not a ding on anyone, but it's, it's an observation from the Nolan Batman movies. They say that Batman has no jurisdiction, right? Like if you are, if you are a military of El Salvador or you are police of El Salvador, then legally, a lot of other stuff has to happen for you to get over the border. That's not your jurisdiction. That's a completely different country. But that only counts if you obey the law. So there, and from their perspective, you can see older, older reports from people who have claimed to anonymously speak for La Sombra. Again, hard to prove. They don't see what they're doing as criminal activity. They think they are doing what they call social cleansing. And for them, it's a, a problem the law seems unable or unwilling to solve through official channels. We should also point out a ton of people in El Salvador, a very large part of the population, uh, are in some way associated with gangs, uh, such that estimates like um, 60, 70,000 or whatever, that, that would mean they outnumber Salvadoran law enforcement pretty significantly. Oh, yeah. There's reason to fear the gangs as authorities in several of the countries, including Guatemala, Honduras, and uh, surrounding countries that where these gangs operate, not just in El Salvador. But I want to talk about one of the main reasons, Ben, I think that La Sombra Negra formed or at least came back in 2014. And it's because of an issue with the prison system there. Uh, the prisons in El Salvador are absolutely filled with gang members, but because there is so much violence between the different gangs, what they've done is separate the gangs into different facilities. So there's an MS-13 uh, facility or facilities, and there's a Barrio 18 set of prisons. And the major issue is that there are so many concentrated members of the same organization in one prison that they can organize and they can still operate to a certain extent even though they're all incarcerated uh, and you know you just have to have enough corruption within that system to get messages in and out or just through regular channels to get messages in and out uh, it's a real problem so to my mind Ben this is or at least began as a group of disgruntled either police officers or military officials who saw that major problem and just thought, well, what we're just going to imprison more of these guys and they're just going to continue operating? No, we're going to fix it our way. Right. Like the uh, like uh, President Bukele said uh, recently, we're going to stop feeding your people in prison. Uh, that yeah. was, that's a recent development, but I think it speaks to the historical aspects you're outlining. You're absolutely right. And not to mention the fact that who, that's the – is that the – official who declared war on the gangs, mm -hmm. essentially, yes. like open war. Mm -hmm. So then there have been a lot of casualties on the police and military side. You can imagine that every time that occurs, you're fomenting more of a desire to just eliminate gang members rather than incarcerate, right? Or, or even reform. And uh, retaliation by police forces is not something that should sound 
alien to anyone, unfortunately. In a lot of areas of the world, it is far from uncommon. Even even if it like technically whoosh whoosh didn't happen, it is is far from uncommon for colleagues of law enforcement members to visit their own retaliation, right? Instead of waiting for the courts. And you see this depicted in fiction, but that fiction is based on factual events. And again, of course, we're not saying every single member of every single law enforcement organization in the world is doing any of that stuff. Far from it. But I do think that we're asking who La Sombra is. We have to... uh, we have to introduce some factors that don't get reported and they're easy dots to connect. Yes. They try to hide identities. Yes. They're using unmarked vehicles, a mask and so on. And yeah, for sure. The tactics alone are enough to persuade some people that these individuals are maybe veterans of the civil war. Maybe they're ex military. Maybe they're ex or even current police. Several have been taken to court, arrested, then let free. Why does the PNC seem so lenient? How were these tactics learned? These are things that don't get improvised on the fly. And you don't have to be the, you know, like some, you don't have to have attended West Point uh, to, to recognize when some, some group is moving uh, with cohesion and training. A lot of, a lot of the really notorious officers of the El Salvadoran military during the Civil War, they spent time right here in Fort Benning, Georgia, in the home state of the Stuff They Don't Want You to Know podcast at a school that is now closed down officially called the School of the Americas. There it is. There it is. Watch our video on YouTube. Just search School of the Americas. Well, quick and dirty. I think it's still there. I yeah, hope wait, it's still it, Unless it got pulled. Quick and dirty. What What is the... What is the School of the Americas? Is it like a geography program? Yeah, that's ex- that's exactly what it is. Uh, <laughs> it's a training grounds, a pretty large area there where it's been alleged in some cases, and it's also been proven in other cases where uh, guerrilla tactics often are taught to people who end up going and fighting, let's say in a pre-war. Is that a good way to put it, Ben? They fight a pre-war in a place uh, before the Civil War begins, often in South America or Central America. Yeah. They're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Wait, they're cuckoo uh, for Cuckoo Puffs, as long as we're describing <laughs> coups. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And they're coups that are often... Um, they're coups that are often supported by the U.S., and the U.S. is supporting the far-right side of the political spectrum, at least in Latin America, as far as we've seen historically. So just check out School of America's Tell Us What You Think, uh, and also recall that um, that Uncle Sam has sent in uh, its own members and allies to deliver other training, right? So the School of Americas, in a very real way, uh, took the show on the road at times. And I, I don't know, like, okay, so none of this is absolute proof of the identities of La Sombra Negra. None of this is absolute proof of the evolution 
right? Or the providence of their training. But if you look at this, it's easy to imagine how a trained keeper of the law might grow disillusioned, like you were saying. Uh, they might get tired of the corruption. They might have that Serpico moment where they go to the chief and they say, I've got proof. They did this. We can get them. And the chief is being paid off. So slides it to the left. It's dangerously easy to think that. But with all that in mind, I have to reiterate. We cannot prove this yet. But I think we can say it would be pretty f-ing surprising if this was not the case. Is that fair? I I I think you're. It's almost fair, Ben. I think either School of the Americas or a similar training of some sort that that's exactly like that in what you're describing, just maybe from a different source. That's all I would say. I because I haven't seen anything with School of the Americas specifically, but it is the thing that does the thing we're talking about. Right. So it's. I mean, we're not saying the School of Americas specifically created La Sombra Negra. Right. A lot of got those, you. Correct. The, yes. The School of America has accidentally did a lot of stuff there. There you go. It was <laughs> an unhappy accident. No, oh, geez. Well, this gives us uh, this gives us an opportunity to talk about the controversies here. Moral dilemmas. Like you've seen it before in. Uh, in man on the street interviews about a vigilante action. Right. There's always going to be people who say. Well, good. You know what I mean? Even if it, there was a guy, I think it was in the United Kingdom, there was a guy who would dress up as a superhero to hide his identity. And all he did was go to cars that had been booted. You know, they put the little boot on the back tire and he would take a, like a, a saw, like a power saw and cut off the, the boot. That's all, that's all he did. And there were interviews where people were like, this guy's great. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting to to just have the phrase boot uh, in in the context of you said in the United Kingdom, right? Yes, that's boot. <laughs> yeah, well, I just imagine the boot of a car, right? Which is the trunk. And I just imagine somebody cutting off the trunks of cars all over the city oh. <laughs> as an act of good. <laughs> Aren't they usually like in the front too? Uh, I mean, chaos, total chaos. <laughs> Okay, well, in the interest of time, folks, I'm going to have to uh, we're going to have to come back and update maybe later in the week on that on that real life vigilante thing with the parking the parking guy. Um, I swear it's real; it's not a fever dream. I like barely sleep. So, okay, uh, this but this does show a dilemma, right? There's a dilemma inherent in any conversation about vigilantes. The dilemma is ultimately this. Do their actions result in more good or more harm? Should they be stopped? Like if you live in an area where it's it's terrorized by gangs constantly to the point that they have become your local government, right? And you have to pay protection for your own little shop, which is already struggling because you probably live in a poorer area of town and you know the police will not and have not done diddly squat for you would you still be mad at a group like La Sombra, as brutal as they are? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, it would definitely be on, based on the personal situation and experience, right? If you've got a family member that was killed, there's so many stories of the two degrees up to zero degrees of separation 
with a family member who was either killed or beaten up by one of these groups because simply because they didn't pay or they didn't you know pay enough or something like that. Ben, there's an article we should shout out uh, from, I think, Crisis Group or something like that that has a lot of uh, personal experience stories that you can read right now if you want. Yeah, International Crisis Group has a piece called Life Under Gang Rule in El Salvador, and it's very much worth the read. It came out in November of 2018, November 26th. So you can see the experiences that people are uh, having in in this country due to this violence and oh we should also note uh you'll see this when you look up the pnc or legitimate police activity in el salvador they're already masked up pretty often pre-covid by the way yep yep because they have to hide their identities or risk being hunted down themselves yeah and now we we have a little bit of a of a bigger picture here, but we have to ask, you know, about these dilemmas. The other thing is these, these victims targeted by the black shadow, they're all at some point associated with criminal activity, right? But they have not been given a day in court. In many cases, they're not being arrested. They're being targeted, tortured and executed. Uh, The controversy is similar to something in Colombia during the heyday of the drug wars. Uh, the group that was known as Los Pepes for short, uh, persecuted by Pablo Escobar, uh, they operated a low-level war against the Medellin cartel up until Escobar died in, what was that, 93? Mm-hmm. When was that? Okay. Yeah. Uh, the, and that's a fascinating story, right, about a group forming like that and willing, like just willing to go to war with a cartel like that because you were scorned or because you were hurt or, or, you know, damage was done to you or a loved one. Uh, but the thing is you can't find much about that group. At least I, I couldn't. Yeah. Not a, not a ton in English, but also they were, they were supported by another cartel, which goes to another theory about La Sombra. You know, did someone, did someone take over the La Sombra title? and use it in a convenient way, like are they run by a cartel? From everything that La Sombra has appeared to publicly say, I'm thinking the answer is no, and don't particularly want to piss them off. It's a possibility that one of the other rival gangs, or even an up-and-coming rival gang, is operating as La Sombra Negra to just instill fear or to break up you know, small parts of, let's say, MS-13's business in certain parts of the country. That's a possibility, though I don't think it's very high in probability. Yeah. And, of course, we're just giving you the publicly available information as it stands. We hope you're being clear about what has been alleged and what has been proven. Uh, the government links of Los Pepes uh, were confirmed, right, even when they were working with cartels. La Sombra may be trying to give its side of the story on social media. You can check out something that alleges to be their Twitter account. I looked at it, and uh, they're reporting on actions of the PNC often, right? And they're thanking people for tips occasionally. But if you if you go there now, again, El Salvador, very beautiful place. Uh, you'll you'll see that it still struggles with gang violence, with violence in general, but 
primarily gang violence. The current president launched that crackdown that you had mentioned, Matt. Uh, this resulted in mass arrests, like a dragnet. That's kind of tough to imagine because it was physical. Tens of thousands of people getting locked up. Uh, and this was in response to the murder rate hitting a record high in March of this year. 62 murders were recorded in a single day across the nation. And that's a population of around like 6.5 million. So it's not, it's not a huge, huge country. That's a lot of deaths. Uh, and the government announced a 30-day state of emergency. They suspended constitutional rights. As we record, that 30-day period has been extended five times. Uh, and you don't really have a recourse here from March to September of this year, the month we record. Security forces have arrested almost 51,000 people in counting, mostly young men, mostly from poor neighborhoods. And uh, they've arrested them often just for being young men in poor neighborhoods. Starts to feel like a quota system at some point, doesn't it? Yeah, but it's so messed up to imagine it's a it's a reaction to a serious threat of violence. I mean, and, you know, I, it's tough because how do what what are the right moves to make? Do you spend money you don't have as a country on systems of helping out those in need to prevent people from joining? You know the the organizations that you're trying to fight against. You, if you don't have the money, how do you get it? You borrow it from another country and then go into a bunch of debt, which Deal may lead to IMF. another civil war down the road. Yeah. Yeah. Deal with the IMF or the World Bank or something. Well, yeah. And in the larger picture, too, I am not persuaded that the U.S. has always been a, uh, a, a good faith act. Well, I know it hasn't been a good faith actor, but even now, you know, the reality is say what it wants, the United States does not really geopolitically have a problem with Latin American states be, being riddled with corruption and, and have it, you know, anything to pre prevent them from becoming regional and then possibly world level hegemons, right? There, there are reasons Venezuela is a pariah state that are absolutely valid. And there are other reasons that aren't being talked about because it doesn't make the global economic order look particularly cool. And I, I think whenever we talk about this sort of stuff, we have to realize that that is a piece of the conversation. Uh, and maybe that's a story for a different day. Maybe that's a series of episodes on all the work the U.S. has historically put into keeping Latin America divided and uh, try, trying its best to make them vassal states. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it is a response to a serious threat, though. It's not like an excuse to just, it's not like the president is, who's pretty young, by the way, it's not like the president is just going, here's an excuse I need to do a thing. He is trying to prevent this violence where uh, so many people have often been forced to become members of gangs. And wasn't there a president who tried a, a softer hand, like uh, like the attempted to at least while they were in were in office to um, do more reforming rather than just jailing and prosecution? Am I wrong? 
I believe you're correct. Um, I believe you're correct, but <sighs> that the thing with those, but it wasn't supported right by the people. No, like that not was really. Like, and the issue with those programs is that they don't provide an immediate solution. They take time, right? It takes time to heal a community, right? And often, often beneficial actions take longer to implement than destructive or violent actions. That's just that's a reality. And uh, this is why, you know, a lot of people in El Salvador support this crackdown. But a lot of people who are in the neighborhoods they're being cracked down upon are saying this is unfairly targeting the poor. We are barely getting by. How do you think we're going to afford a lawyer? How can we pay two hundred and fifty dollars? Uh, you know, a month or whatever to make sure our kid gets food to eat in prison on top of the money we have to pay to go see them, right? On top of the lawyer. Like, where are we going to find this cash? And these people are just being detained uh, often. They're not sentenced. They're just stuck. Oh, in and jail. by the way, I still have to pay the taxes to my local gang, as well as the taxes to you and your government. <laughs> it's not ideal. I mean, and these are the people, too, that have the least say-so. You know, it's, it's like I was saying at the top of the show, like, if you if you don't play along with, you know, the gangs, then you're a target. If you do, then you're a target. And it's all just because of where you happen to be born geographically, you know? And then and then if you try to leave, you're, 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 you're in a, quote, illegal, you know? It's just, it's a real rock and a hard place. It is. It is uh, a Gordian knot, right? And some anal analysts have uh, called it, you know, part of a feedback loop. I mean, the president of a country saying, push me and I'll let, I'll let your colleagues starve in jail. I'll let them rot. That, that could, that's pretty extreme. But also, oh, that's what the other president did, Ben. I'm so sorry. I just I have to I have to get this out. If I don't want to get it out, I'll be upset with myself. Um, it was former President uh, Mauricio Funes, and the term that term where he reduced the murder rate down about half that was 2012 to 2013, right before La Sombra Negra reemerged in 2014. So you can almost see how it could have been, or at least seen, could have been seen as a reaction to those policies of improving conditions for the gang members. It's interesting. Well, it's, yeah, it's important to know that this also, this crackdown approach isn't coming out of nowhere. The government tried other stuff. Uh, and at this point, with all these factors mixed in, you can see how people might support uh, a group like La Sombra Negra, you know? Even even if it's just implicitly, you can imagine how members of the national police, even if they're not members of La, La Sombra, you can imagine how they might look kindly upon those actions because the violence is touching so many people in the country. And at this point, we want to pass the mic to you folks. Thanks for tuning in. Let us know what you think about uh, about the situation in El Salvador or about the moral dilemma of vigilantism in general. We don't, I don't even want us to tip the scale by influencing 
influencing you too much. Just those questions. We cannot wait to hear from you. We try to be easy to find online. That's right. You can find us on Facebook and you can find us on Twitter and also on YouTube at the handle Conspiracy Stuff on Instagram. We are Conspiracy Stuff Show. If you'd prefer to reach out to us in a more analog way, I guess there's, you know, it's analog, digital, whatever, Brave New World. Give us a telephone call. Yes, you can call one eight three three stdwytk It's a voicemail system. You've got three minutes. Say whatever you'd like. Call yourself something, not your real name, preferably. And uh, just let us know if we can use your voice and message on the air. Hey, if you don't like either of those things, social media or phones, do you like books? We've got one coming out. Uh, ben, what do you think the, the most apropos chapter is in our book stuff they don't want you to know for this episode assassinations uh, but hey I, we get it if you don't want to pre-order or order our book that's fine that's okay you can send us an email we are conspiracy at iheartradio.com Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com.